Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your weekly overview of precious metals and market updates. I'm your host, J.D. Bauman, and I'm here with my brother, Joel. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Good morning, Joel. Happy Friday. Happy Friday and good morning. How's D.C.? It's very nice. Northern Virginia, technically. I I like it here more Mm. than in D.C. That's important to get right. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. Beautiful weather. Phil the Groundhog said that we're going to have a, a short winter. So um, looking forward to spring and Easter. So you doing well? Yeah, a little tired, but uh, nothing to complain. Just looking forward to the end of the week here. Apologies on the audio. I'm not in my typical spot. So if I sound a little different this week, that's why. Oh, good. Let's jump into it. So gold this week is trading at 2027 per ounce. That's down about $10 since this time last week. Silver is trading at $22.58 per ounce, down about $0.07 on the week. The dollar index is at 104.11, and the VIX, the fear index, is at 12.85. That VIX is interesting. We're back to the January 2020 lows, so before all the way back down to prior to the COVID crisis. And we may head lower to the 11 or 10 handle, but on the next big volatility spike, it could be years before we see like a, an 11 or 12 handle on VIX. So that's kind of interesting. And how exactly is the VIX calculated for those who aren't as familiar? It's supposed to be a 30-day projection out on volatility. Basically, it's like an index that aggregates the put contracts on the S&P. But nobody uses it as a projection. Nobody's looking at a low VIX and and is saying, hey, VIX is low, so volatility next week is going to be low. Uh, If anything, the old trader axiom is VIX is high, time to buy. When VIX is low, time to go. But the way it's calculated is they tabulate the amount of put options floating on the S&P. Got it. So big news this week was actually on Sunday. Powell came on 60 minutes. During the interview, he said the Fed is unlikely to start cutting rates at its next policy meeting in March. And about 84% of investors as of today estimate that the Fed will keep rates unchanged next month. That's according to the the CME FedWatch tool. Uh, A month ago, it was a a lot lower. Joel, you've been following the technicals this week. What have you been seeing in, in your charts? It's doing more of the same. We talked about it two or three weeks ago. Tight range on gold, less than $30 this week, and tight range on silver, less than $0.50. Mentioned how we could stay here for a few weeks. Uh, Maybe we'll get one more week where we're in another tight range. We're bumping up against the major support levels, 22 on silver, 2,000 on gold. Buyers are ready to step in. And on the next swing up, it could follow news. It could could follow a world event. I mean, the the variable doesn't quite matter. We anticipate breaking up to the upside and gold and silver have a, a nice move coming their way. Nice. Uh, looking forward to seeing that for my personal holdings. But no, we want gold to stay low so we can buy more at a lower price. Well, not, not only that, but the pre- premiums are still low. So that combination of a low premium and buying out of support still is valid as ever. And I, I know I'm, I've been personally taking my payroll mm. and putting it into it. Some quick updates on the New York Community Bank Corp. Moody just cut its ratings on their debt to junk. It's down another 25% since this time last week. And this isn't investment advice, but for those of you who are interested in following it, you can track the regional banking index, their ETF, the ticker KRE, down 10% in less than two weeks. 
But yeah, Joel, did you see the 60 Minutes appearance with Jerome Powell? What were some of the the, the highlights from that interview? I did watch, uh, I was watching some of it when I had my dinner earlier this week. Emily implored me to change <laughs> to change to a different <laughs> show. Uh, but Typical I, Joel. <laughs> and then it was funny because then Peter ends up talking about it. And I love what Peter did. Peter brought up something that was really quite um, touching, which is the the old chairmen's in the past used to have a degree of shame around these actions. Uh, they, they understood it's not something that should be occurring on any regular basis. It's It really is emergency. Even saying things like it, it would monetize the debt if we don't actually deflate, we don't actually buy back the treasuries and unwind, um, sell all the treasuries and unwind the positions. Um, and so mm. fast forward to this this 60 minutes, it's just like, it's more par for the course. You know, as long as we can manage our interest payments, you know, the high 32.4 or $34.2 trillion debt, it's okay. As long as we can service the debt, uh, it's not, you know, the, the question of monetizing debt, I don't even, like, it doesn't even come up. Nobody's critical enough to ask those questions. To be clear, like the Fed would never say, hey, we're, we're about to monetize the debt. Like it's being monetized. We're just printing away. Like the Fed... We think the Fed is essentially doing this right now, but there's no there's no real expectation that uh, on anyone's part that if the Fed were doing this, they would come out and say point blank. No, By no. the way, we're but monetizing the debt. There's some there was some remnant remnant of integrity where the original chairman. So actually, maybe maybe they were naive, but they they really thought, hey, like we can we can provide the liquidity boost, get get ourselves back on the feet and then pay this off. Nowadays, it's, there's no discussion. It's not even even imagined. It's not talked about. It's just we kind of forgotten that we've come a long way, including myself. It's it's almost like that, you know, your athletic friend when he you get he gives you a ride or uh, your athletic gym buddy who you like leave some gym bags in his car and you step in and you're like, dude, this is this is stinky in here. And he's he just he doesn't pick up on it because he's just he, like lives in it. It's like America is that athlete. He's that he's that bro gym friend who's just been sitting in the monetary filth. And we just we've gotten so used to it that it's just like we're, we're here 16 years later, 60 minutes piece with the current Fed chairman. And there's there's no shame. There's no uh, embarrassment. You know, the emperor has no clothes. Mm. It's just like we're we kind of li- we're kind of living in it. That's a powerful, powerful image that'll stick in my head all week. Speaking of the week ahead, uh, looking looking forward to Valentine's Day. We had a great article on Peter's blog about diamonds versus gold. And, you know, it's not too late to buy a present for your significant other this Valentine's Day. It really made me think of uh, Carl Menger's piece on the origins of money, which we read in my Austrian economics program at Hillsdale. You know, Menger, classic uh, Austrian Mm, economist, talks about what makes money. Money needs to be homogenous. It needs to be durable. It needs to be costly, and it needs to have special saleableness. You need to have like a tight bid ask spread that has to be marketable. Yeah, yeah. I think the the German word is Verkäuflichkeit, and you know, for diamonds, this is pretty terrible. You're talking like massive double digit spreads, and diamonds are down massively, right? Drilling technology is getting so amazing. We're drilling up so many diamonds out of the ground. It's down seventy percent since 2016. Gold is up about 60% since that same time. There's really no comparison from a from a, a money perspective or even from like a performance perspective. I, I thought that was a really interesting read from this week. Uh, yeah, the only other thing I could add on the diamonds is if you're doing this whole like monetary comparison, it, it, it brings into the same dialogue we use on like Bitcoin. It's just diamonds, unlike gold, 
Same same as Bitcoin, unlike gold. There's there's never been any kind of top tier commercial deal that's using that instrument as the underlying financing principle. It's it's not there's no remittance payments. It's not like you borrow your diamonds to finance your diamond production or your 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 jewelers. If anything, there are jewelers that that finance themselves in gold rather than than in diamonds. Also interesting tidbit from our articles this week. We we saw record central bank gold buying in 2023. The World Gold Council tracked 4,899 tons of gold. The most demand in the US and India uh, and Turkey. You know, the US still holds a lot of gold in, in Fort Knox on the at least on the official registers, it's holding about four hundred billion dollars worth. But that's still only enough to back about two percent of our of our M2 money which stacks up $20 trillion at this point. There's a massive expansion with all this free COVID money in the last couple of years. So even still, if uh, Joel, any anything you're looking ahead to the week to come that isn't Valentine's Day related? So last yesterday, our, the unemployment claims were pretty much right, as expected. Um, didn't see as much of an uptick as we thought would occur. Uh, we'll get more uh, follow-up report on that next week. Uh, Core CPI next Tuesday. But it's really that coiling, it's that preparatory consolidation where the precious metals markets are, they're getting ready for a move back to the highs. The highs on gold and then for silver, it would go back to the mid-20s. But that's that's what I'm looking for this week. Sounds good. And to close with the quote of the week, this is from uh, yours truly, Carl Menger. Money is not an invention of the state. It is not the product of a legislative act. Thank you, everyone, for listening and have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.